this morning I wanted to um, to talk about the sound of the kingdom. You know, it's something that's I've been uh, kind of mulling over over the past um, number of weeks. Um, what is the sound of the kingdom, or what should it sound like in the earth today? You know, we are so bombarded by so many noises coming out of the earth, and um, you know, and I, I wanted to, to talk more about the sound of the kingdom today. Um, I don't know if you've ever thought about the sounds that are coming out of the world at the moment, but um, uh, you know, it's fair to say that it's an incredibly noisy place. You know, there's lots of social and civil divisions, aren't there? There's lots of disagreement across the face of the earth today, and and uh, lots of um, angst between you know the political and the social right and left wing groups um, that we that we find um, uh, their voices crying out quite loudly, you know, and there there are issues that surround things like gender and sexuality and racial discrimination and abortion, the environment, border and national security, education, the pandemic and the vaccines. Oh my gosh. I hear it one more time. And an untold amount of conspiracy theories, right? We've all been bombarded with them. And that's just to name a few. And at the same time, the sound of war rings out across the planet, doesn't it? You know, according to the Geneva Academy of International Humanitarian Law and Human Rights, there's currently 110 armed conflicts that are raging across the planet as I speak. 110. And some of those conflicts have been raging for more than 50 years. And in that, we only have like 195 countries and probably about 205 or six sovereign nations uh, in the world. I find that number profoundly disturbing. And at the same time, we've got all of this global financial instability, you, you know, screaming at us as well. Inflation this and billions of dollars worth of debt that. You know, Australia alone, we went into the pandemic debt-free and we have come out of it with a predicted $1.159 trillion debt by 2025. And America, you know, who are the leaders in everything, according to them, um, they are $32 trillion in debt and rising. And every time they reach their debt ceiling, they just raise it because we can't have a debt ceiling. So we keep pushing it up. You know, and the earth is groaning under the weight of all of this, all of the individual debt, the poverty, the homelessness, the disputes, the disagreements, the, um, the pressure that is on all of us. In every nation, there is pressure that is insurmountable at this time. And other sounds that are loud are things like, you know, cybersecurity. Every time we log on to the internet, do we go, oh, who's going to take my details? And we worry about those things because they're valid. We've got freedom of speech and freedom of religion and other all sorts of social divisions. And the list really could go on and on because the world is very a very noisy place and it's a conflicted place and there are millions of agendas that are enforced and fought over by millions of leaders. And they're all driven by this insatiable desire for power, wealth and money and control. It's that good versus evil war that's been raging since the beginning of time. You know, and the father sees it all. He sees every single thing and he weeps. He weeps over the earth this day. 
But this morning I don't really want to talk about the noise that the world is making because despite the fact that it is excessive and the volume is turned up high, a bit like a dripping tap really, I really prefer to talk about the sound of the kingdom and that is the kingdom of God. And I want to challenge each and every one of us, and that's including me, to tune in to the sound this morning and hear what it is the Father has to say. You know, I honestly believe that the sound of the kingdom is rising, albeit marginally, and it needs to keep rising and keep rising and keep rising until it drowns the world out. And the louder we get, the more the, the, more, um, the Lord will be glorified. The world desperately needs to hear a new sound, not an old sound, not a sound um, of despair or a lack of hope, but they need to sound, hear a new sound, the sound of the kingdom, the sound of God in all his glory. And we need to be a part of that. We need to, be, to take um, you know, seriously our responsibility in being a part of that sound so that we can actually uh, see the, you know, the, the blessing of God come to, pres- um, come to pass in the kingdom, in the earth today, sorry. It really does begin with us, so let's pray. Father, I just want to thank you, Lord God, that your word is truth. And Lord, that you are the one, Father God, that establishes your kingdom, Father God, upon this earth. You are the one, Lord God, that breathes life. Father, where there seems to be no life, you are the one that stirs up hope and anchors us in truth in the midst of the storm. And so, Father, I pray that this morning, Lord God, that we can all drown out the noise, Father God, that is in our world, whether it's about family or money or business or whether it's the pressure that the world puts on us, Lord, that we could just drown it out with your kingdom, that we could hear your voice this day. And we could know your truth, Father, and we could lean into it and take a hold of it and and trust that you are the one that is before us. Thank you, Lord. You know, I've been thinking, like I said, about the sounds of the kingdom is making across the earth, both in a, a collective sense in the body of Christ, but also as individuals. You know, and the question this morning that kind of um, emanates from our lives Sorry, it's been a big year, but God is good and he is good to me. The question this morning is what sound emanates from our lives? What sound is heard coming from our mouths and what sound echoes in our hearts and in our minds? And what sound is demonstrated in and through our actions? See, because if the sound doesn't start here, if it doesn't start in me, it doesn't start coming out of my mouth and in my heart and in my life. If it doesn't start there, then it will not project out because we, as the body of Christ, we need to make a sound, a louder sound than what's coming out of the earth this day. And if we don't actually take a hold of the responsibility that we have in that, then out there, they'll never hear the kingdom. They'll never hear the truth. They'll only ever see us as these weird people that gather in a weird-shaped building (laughs) on a Sunday morning and don't really know what's going on because they think we're a little dumb. But God knows more than that, doesn't he? 
And I don't know about you, but uh, if I'm going to be honest and transparent today, I can't really stand up here and profess that um, my life is always kingdom forward because it's not. I don't always tune into the right inspirations. It's easy to get distracted, right? Yeah, for all of us, it's easy to get distracted. And that's not an excuse, it's just a fact. You know, in the past 18 months of my life have been super distracting, super distracting. They've taken me away from the things that I have loved and, um, and challenged me in ways that I haven't been challenged before. And it is particularly nice, I must say, to be upright and uninjured today, <laughs> although slightly drug-affected. But we won't go there. Give him glory because he is a glorious God and he has been incredibly faithful to me in these past 18 months. You know, I believe uh, what God has to say to us is very personal and it's also uh, for us as a growing community of believers as well. You know, he wants to challenge us for sure, but he also wants to encourage us and inspire us to turn up the volume of our lives and let the sound of the kingdom be heard. You know, I want to start um, this morning by speaking about the sound of the trumpet of God. I honestly believe that his trumpet is blowing and we have to lean in and we have to listen because it's a little quiet at the moment, but I can guarantee you that it's blowing. God wants to pour out his power and his presence and he wants to call both sinners and saints to their knees so that the wind of the Holy Spirit can do his bidding across the face of the earth. You know, in the Old Testament, the sound of the trumpet was always significant. It was used to gather the people together so that they could hear the voice of the Lord, so they could hear what God had to say. It was used to move them from one destination to another. You know, when the children of Israel went into the wilderness, you know, you're talking, you know, a million plus men, so maybe three, four million people altogether. And uh, moving them would have been no small task, you know, particularly without Twitter. And, um, you know, we don't have text messaging back in the day. So um, the trumpet was incredibly important and they had certain signals that they would give to uh, pack up the camp or stop for the night and all of those types of things. It was also used in ceremony and worship. The trumpet was used to anoint the kings and to announce their coming and their presence. And it was used uh, in war to command the battle and to declare the victory. But when the sound of the trumpet came directly from heaven, that was something entirely different. That was mind-blowing and a little terrifying. You see, when the Israelites were in the wilderness, God needed to establish his presence and his power in their lives. God wanted them to understand who he was. He wanted them to understand his presence and his power. And the realisation of that truth was terrifying. Because you see, this was no small God that they were following. They had come out of a place where God was very small in, the, in, the, in captivity in Israel. God was very small. And God wanted to show them that he was no small God, that he was no dumb and powerless idol and that he was not impotent, rather that he was a holy and righteous God, an all-powerful, all-knowing and all-present God. 
And he was a terrifying and an uncompromising God whose deepest intention was to love and to protect his creation and to call his children into a place of intimacy and obedience. That was his intention. So he didn't pull them out of the, uh, Israel to leave them die in the wilderness. He didn't appear before them and sound his trumpet from heaven and speak in a voice that was unfamiliar mm, to them. He didn't do all of those things to terrify them so that they could run in the other direction. He did it so he could establish his power and his presence amongst them so that they would know that he was an almighty God, that he was a powerful God. You see, if they'd understood that about him, they never would have built calves of gold. They never would have built dumb idols to worship because God was more than that. And so God wanted to dispel the myth of how small he was to them and allow them to see that he was an almighty God that was beyond their wildest imaginations when it came to his power and his liberty. He loved them. So what I want to do now is just want to read from Exodus uh, 19. Uh, Give me a sec. So Exodus 19, um, verses 16 through to 19. On the morning of the third day, there was thunder and lightning and a thick cloud over the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast. Someone in the camp, everyone in the camp trembled. Then Moses led the people out of the camp to meet with God and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord descended on it in fire. The smoke billowed up from it like smoke from a furnace and the whole mountain trembled violently and the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder. Then Moses spoke and the voice of God answered him. I don't know about you, but that would have been a pretty um, traumatising experience. It would have been an amazing experience, right? To fall at the knees of an almighty God, to hear the voice from heaven when your imagination meant that God was this big and all of a sudden he was this big. This portion of scripture directly precedes the giving of the Ten Commandments. And I can't even begin to imagine how terrifying it would have been. But God's intention was, like I said a minute ago, not to terrify his children so that they would, you know, run off into the the desert and run away from him. In truth, you cannot be in the presence of the creator of the universe and not buckle at the knees. His intention was to establish his power and his presence so that the collective sound of the people would glorify his name. Because that's what he was trying to do. He was trying to establish this people that would have a sound in the earth that would glorify his name. Because that's not who they had been. They had been this religious bunch of people who had been in exile. But he wanted them to rise up and be something entirely different. And the truth is that nothing has changed. You see, God is the same now as he was then and his intention towards us is exactly the same he longs for his presence and his power to be experienced amongst us 
The prophet Joel said in verse two, uh, in chapter two, verse one, blow the trumpet in Zion, sound the alarm on my holy hill. Let all who live in the land tremble for the day of the Lord is coming. It is close at hand. You know, the sound of God's trumpet is ringing out. And the question is, will we respond? Do we hear it? Will we lean in and will we go after it? And if we do, what will it look like? How do we ensure that the sound of the kingdom is heard and seen in our lives? How do we actually turn up the volume of our lives and allow the Spirit of God to move amongst us? It really has to begin with our heart, doesn't it? And the question is, what stirs in our heart? What do we meditate on? What do we cry out for? How do we spend our time immersing ourselves in the things of God? In Malachi, in Malachi 3, 6, it continues in verse 7, where God himself declares that not only is he unchanging, he also says that if you return to me, I will return to you. And in John 15, 1, it says, remain in me and I will remain in you. All throughout scripture, we see the common theme of come to me, bow down before me, stay with me, bring your troubles to me, obey me. We see those themes all the time throughout scripture in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. And the reason for this is because it's essential to relationship. It's essential to the truth and to the promise. It's essential to kingdom living. So how do we come and how do we stay? Well, the first thing we have to do is know his word. You know, Psalm 119 verse 89 says, Your word, O Lord, is eternal. It stands firm in the heavens. And in uh, Psalm 119 verse 105, it says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and it's a light to my path. To my path. You know, it's been one of my favourite scriptures from very early in my Christian walk. That, uh, you know, 105, your word is a lamp to my feet. Because it says to me that God will light, the, light my feet so that I don't stumble when I take a step forward. And he will light the path ahead so I know which way to go. And if I don't see those things, if I don't know that about the word of God, then I'm, I'm hardly going to lean into it, am I? I'm not going to trust it, am I? But if you don't know the word of God, then you don't know the word of God. So it's got to start there. The sound of the kingdom heart is filled with the word of God because it's manna from heaven to us. It strengthens us, it encourages us, it corrects us and it anchors us in kingdom thinking and it points the way forward. You know, I was talking to somebody recently, they don't, don't go to this church, and um, they were sharing with me, um, you know, some of their, their struggles in life, some of the problems that they were experiencing. And I said to them during our conversation, I said, well, you know, the word of God says, da-da-da-da-da. This person looked at me and they said, oh, I don't read the Bible. And the excuse they gave me, which is one I've never heard before, and I said to myself, Anna, don't do the face. <laughs> they said to me, 
I don't like the the Bible because because of the columns. And I said, I said the columns. What do you mean, the columns? And she and this person said, you know how how it's in columns. And I went, okay, don't do the face, Francis. And I said to her, because I'm a good pastor, you do know that they have Bibles that don't have columns anymore. (laughs) Oh, she wasn't buying it. But anyway, that's okay. But what it says to me, you see, is that's not the sound of a kingdom heart. It's actually the sound of a carnal heart. It's the sound of a heart that leans on its own understanding. You see, Proverbs 3, 5 and 6 encourages us to trust in the Lord with all our heart, to lean not on our own understanding, in all our ways to acknowledge him and he will make straight our paths. That's his promise to us. But we have to lean into that. But you see, if you don't know the word of God, if you don't read the Bible, you won't know that scripture. You won't know to trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on to your own understanding. Because you don't know what you don't know. We won't trust the truth of God's word and we will easily be swayed to live with a carnal heart and the sound of the world ringing in our ears. We've got to know the word of God. We have to learn to live by it. You know, the sound of a kingdom heart is also filled with song. It's praise and worship. And it's not about being able to sing. You know, I'm not going to be on any platform singing anytime soon but I do love to build out a good tune in the shower and I can tell you but worship praise and worship is so important to us you know I can certainly tell you that over the past 18 months music has been incredibly important to me it's not enough in and of its own don't fall for that because it's not but it is when it is um something that fills our heart it is rich and and when it's theologically sound it ministers to our spirit and it lifts us up and it holds us and it brings peace and strength into our world but here's the thing we won't know if it's theologically sound if we don't know the word of God and I know there are some songs out there that aren't quite theologically sound The word of God tells us to sing and there are many scriptures that encourage us to praise and worship the Lord. King David was a wonderful advocate for glorifying God through song. In 1 Chronicles 16, 8 to 10, he sang this. He sang, give thanks to the Lord, call on his name, make known among the nations what he has done. Sing to him, sing praises to him. And tell of his wonderful acts. Glorify his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. So let song be a part of our daily lives. Let song be a part of our our worship before God. And the other thing is that the sound of a kingdom heart is prayerful. But what is prayer? I certainly know it's not some shopping list of wants that we take to God whenever we feel like it, rattle it off and then go, you know, thanks, here's my um, list, Lord. Um, If you could just sort that out, that'd be awesome. It's so much more than that. I'm not saying that we don't take our wants and our needs to God. I'm not saying that at all because that would be foolish. 
Philippians 4, 6 reminds us, do not be anxious about anything but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be be made known to God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. My point is that prayer is so much more than a list of our needs. It's also an act of worship and adoration. You know, the Psalms of David often began with a declaration of the wonders of God. David never held back from proclaiming the attributes and the character of God. He prayed them and he sang them. In Psalm 29, verses 1 and 2, it says, Ascribe to the Lord, O mighty one, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in all the splendour of his holiness. And Jesus taught us to pray, didn't he? In Matthew 6, verses 5 through to 14, he taught us to pray. And in those verses, he taught us about intimacy. He taught us to become to the Father in that private place. He talked about the hidden place of prayer that it's just between us and the Father. He talked about not about being thoughtful when we prayed and not just babbling on, you know, with endless words that are meaningless. He talked to us about honouring the Father, our Father who is in heaven. Holy be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And he talked to us about the importance of forgiveness If you forgive those who have sinned against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. So all of those things mattered to Jesus and they certainly matter to the Father because they are indeed um, one. So prayer is paramount to the kingdom heart and the sound it makes resounds through the heavens and it reaches the throne room. You know, there's this powerful image, and it's one of my favourite. I I often say that about scripture, but it's one of my favourites um, uh, in uh, from the prophet Isaiah that he shares in uh, chapter six in Isaiah six uh, verses one to four. He says this: I saw the Lord seated on the throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple, and above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two wings they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty, Jehovah. The whole earth is full of his glory. And at the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. I love that. Imagine that. Imagine seeing that. That'd be cool. It'd be a bit terrifying, but it'd be cool. <laughs> be one of those oh, "I'm on my knees, Lord" moments. And I love recount- the recounting of this vision because I cannot imagine what it would have been to experience such a sight. Imagine the train of his robe filling the temple. How majestic would it be that the whole of the temple of God—and we're not talking about a small building. It's not a weird little building like this. <laughs> The temple of God is majestic and its size would be incomparable, I think, to anything. And yet his train fills the temple and the smoke of God fills the temple as well. You know, we talk about the smoke often and we refer to it as the Shekinah glory. 
the glory of his divine presence. The word Shekinah is a descriptive word. It means one who dwells, divine presence. How glorious would that have been? And the truth is that's where our prayers are. That's where they end up, in the temple of God, before the Father. And I think that's pretty amazing and pretty humbling at the same time. You know, the temple, the throne room of God, prayer invites us in and it encourages us to make a sound that fills the heart of God with honour and adoration and it moves him to act on our behalf in Jesus' name because he said that if we came to him, he said that if we brought our requests to him, that if we laid our heart before him, that he would honour that. And in doing so, we must glorify his name. His name must be heard coming from our lips, the sound that we make, the sound that pours out of our heart, simply must glorify his name. Because the temple is the place of power. It's where our prayers belong and it's where they're heard and where they're responded to. You know, the sound of the kingdom is also the sound of our testimony, right? Our testimony is so important. And I want to ask you, what is the testimony of your heart today? What testimony do you have on your lips that glorifies God today, that brings the wonder of heaven to earth? If you tune into the sound of the kingdom across the earth today, you will hear amazing testimonies. Spot fires of revival popping up in various places, healings, incredible salvations. You know, I saw a testimony recently of a, um, of a man in Iraq um, who uh, was woken in the middle of the night by um, Jesus and Jesus said to him, I want you to go to a particular cafe and ask for a, this particular man. They didn't use names in the testimony because Iraq is such an incredibly dangerous country. And this particular man was actually over there working as a medical missionary in the slums, taking care of uh, people and carefully and quietly resounding the kingdom as he went. And this guy, this Iraq citizen, woke up and was told to go and see, see this man. And the man from Iraq asked Jesus, who are you? And Jesus said to him, I am Isa in Maryam, and that's the name that your people have given me. But I am Jesus of Nazareth, I am Yeshua, I am Elohim Adonai, the Lord God. And this man was terrified. But the young man obeyed and he went to the cafe and he asked for this certain man by name. And the two men talked for hours and this young man from Iraq was gloriously saved. That's the sound of a testimony. That's the sound of the kingdom ringing out across the earth. Just recently I was at a women's conference as a guest and I was um, having lunch with Pastor Anne Graham and uh, Pastor Anne and uh, her husband Byron are the uh, lead pastors of Highway Church down at Ormo. And Anne has been the, um, well, she was the, the, the leader of the ACC Women for many, many years. And she's a dear friend of mine and, um, and just a wonderful woman of God. Anyway, and she started to share with me over lunch this testimony of something that had happened just a couple of weeks earlier in, her, uh, in the satellite church that they have 
coming out of Ormo, um, which is further down the coast. I can't remember the name of the suburb. Sorry? Rungari. Rungari. I can't say that. Anyway, it's down the coast somewhere. I've just come back from Dubbo and the towns I've been in, I can't tell you their names. There were too many of them that were weird. But anyway, that's another story for another day. Anyway, she was at her satellite church. She was preaching that morning and she said, it's not a very large congregation, um, which made my heart go, oh, that's good, God. Um, anyway, she, uh, she said during worship, she was standing there and they were worshipping and she said all of a sudden she became aware of this sound that was unfamiliar. And she said, I began to look around and I'm looking at the speakers thinking, what's the matter with the speakers? Where's the sound guy? Why isn't he paying attention? And she said, and I'm looking at the sound guy and he's kind of looking around with his dazed look on his face and looking at his equipment, looking back up and he looks at her and he shrugs. He's like, I don't know what it is. Anyway, as worship goes on, the sound gets louder and louder and all of a sudden the Lord opens her eyes and she sees the angels surrounding the room and she hears the angels of heaven singing. Now that's a testimony. I've heard angels sing and it's like nothing you have ever heard, ever before. And it does my heart good to hear those testimonies because it encourages me that God is on the move, that he is on the move throughout his church and he wants to see things change. But the reality is that the testimony has to come from my lips What's God doing in my life today? What's the testimony of my life? You know, like I can glory in the 80s till the cows come home if I want to. You know, all of the amazing things that happened, the things we saw, the things God did, the healings, the things that changed. But the truth is that I want to glory in today. I don't want to just sit back and go, oh, back in the day when we were young, now that I'm old. I don't want to glory in that. It's great to remember it. It's great to see what happened and to be blown away by it still because that same God that was around in the 80s is the same God that was back in Israel, is the same God that's here today. And he wants the testimony of our lips to be something remarkable so that the sound of the kingdom reverberates out into the world and that those that don't know him hear his name and they see his face and they bow the knee that's what he wants so he needs us to be a people of testimony I remember um, I was reading actually last night before I went to sleep about the Azusa Street Revival and you know that uh, William J Seymour was an African American pastor an an older gentleman decided he'd have a prayer meeting and him and seven other men from his congregation started to pray and they just prayed. They didn't really have an expectation. I think, I think Seymour had a, an, exporta- an expe- expectation, I can use words, an expectation of the kingdom come. But anyway, they gathered and they prayed and they prayed and after a period of time of them gathering and praying, one night they were hit with what sounded like and felt like to them a bolt of lightning and it blew them off their chairs. And as they were laying on the floor thinking, what in the world was that? The Spirit of God hit them. 
and they began speaking in tongues. And they got up and they worshipped God and they spoke in tongues. That was the beginning of an almost 10-year revival. And people used to walk past the building in Isuzu Street and they would fall on the ground under the power of the Holy Spirit. They're just going to get a bagel <laughs> or a coffee or something and they would just fall down on, on the ground and the people from the church would pick them up and they'd drag them into the building, get them healed, send them on their way. Morning, have a great time, don't forget your coffee. That's the sound of a testimony. What a remarkable thing to hear. You see, if we tune into the sound of the kingdom across the earth today, we will see amazing testimonies. But I want us to have a testimony on our own lips. I want us to have a testimony that says God is good today. God is amazing today. God did this today. God did that today. You know, when Hannah and I were driving down to um, coming back from Dubbo just this week, we um, had an experience where the GPS lost her mind. I'm just saying, she did, you know, and uh, took us on what she believed was the direct route, the closest direct route to, uh, to get us to Brisbane from Moree. And uh, as we're trundling along, Hannah and I are going, mm, don't feel right about this, I'm not sure about this road, doesn't seem like a road you would be on if you were going to a major city. Anyway, we kept going and we kept going and we came around this corner at one point and Hannah said, I just, I'm just not comfortable. <laughs> I'm just not comfortable that we're going in the right direction, Mum. And I went, I'm with you. We're going to stop and we're going to get some... We needed some petrol. I thought, we're going to stop. We're in the middle of nowhere. So anyway, we come around this corner and we see this little sign there that says North Star. It's a town, believe it or not. Errol would know. It's a tiny little town. It's about six houses there, petrol station, well, what they call a petrol station, and a cafe. Anyway, we see these kids and I said, do you know where we can get petrol? Oh, yeah, just go up around the block and that. So we go there and we're getting petrol, trying to figure out how to use this machine I'd never seen before. But anyway, we're getting petrol and along come these guys and they say to us, uh, hello, what are you girls doing here? And they're real country fellas. And we said, oh, I think we're a bit lost. He goes, yeah, you don't look like you belong here. <laughs> Which was probably a fair call with our little Toyota Corolla and, uh, you know, our fashionable look. Anyway, this uh, country guy says to us, um, where are you headed? And I said, we're going to Brisbane. And he goes, Brisbane? And I said, yeah. And he goes, what are you doing here then? And I said, oh, that's an excellent question. And I said, uh, the GPS led us here. That's what we're doing here. And then he um, waxed lyrical for the next few minutes um, in very colourful terms about uh, his, um, you know, his misgivings with um, GPS. And, um, and I said, uh-huh, yep. Um, and I said, well, the GPS is telling us to go down this road, to keep going down this road. And he goes, don't go down there, love. That'll end badly, in very colourful language. He made it quite clear to us that it would not be a good choice. <laughs> and he said, uh, yeah, that city car wouldn't make it. And I said, OK. I said, so in your opinion, then, kind sir, what would be the best way for us to get to Brisbane? And he said, you need to go up this road for about 40k, right? 
And he said, and then you need to turn right. And he said, and then go along a bit. And he said, and then turn left. I don't know the name of the road, but then turn left. <laughs> and he said, and go along there for about another 40, 50k. And he said, and you'll get to the Newell Highway. That's where you want to be, the Newell Highway. And then turn left. And, he, and then turn right. And he said, and just keep on going on to Brisbane. And I went, okay, that's right. And he reiterated the directions. And he said, but if you see a sign to this town, and I can't pronounce it because I'm not good at it, as we've clearly established this morning, started with Y. He goes, if you see a sign, don't go down there. And then he began to explain to me in no uncertain terms, colourful language, what um, that town was like and why we shouldn't go there. And I said, okay, noted, we won't go there. I don't even remember the point of why I even brought that up. <laughs> but the truth is, it's the North Star. You see, God led us into this tiny little outback town called North Star. And it shone the way <laughs> to Brisbane. And I reckon that's a cracker of a testimony. That's a great testimony, right? North Star. And Hannah's going, who would have thought a town called North Star would lead us to Brisbane? And I said, see, it's the Lord all over it, Hannah. And she's going, it is. It's a great testimony. And we laughed. And as we were leaving uh, North Star, there was this, you know, we'd just come in, like literally just turned into the street, which is North Star. And then a couple of metres up the road, there was a sign saying, thank you for visiting North Star. We laughed. Hannah laughed for about 10 minutes. She just couldn't <laughs> stop laughing. She said, I'm glad that they thought that it was worthy of a sign or two. But you see, God can find us anywhere in the outback. He can give us a testimony. We just have to look for it, right? We just have to see the goodness of God in our day and how amazing he is to us in all that, we, that he does. You know, and so God bless North Star and the people of North Star and I pray that the Holy Spirit would fall upon them and transform them in a way that's remarkable. You know, the sound of the testimony is so important in our daily lives. And it can be about the goodness of God, can be about his love, can be about his mercy towards us, can be about provision and healing. It can be about the gifts of revelation and understanding, can be about miracles and supernatural experiences and encounters. Not just from days gone by, like I said, the testimony has to be from today. The sound of the testimony should emanate from our hearts and be heard and seen in the living out of our kingdom experiences. So what testimony is on your lips today? What is it that you can say is the goodness of God to you today? You know, Scripture reminds us in Revelations 12, 11, that they overcame him, that is the accuser of the brothers, by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. The sound of heaven's encouragement and the eternal promise is also important to us, right? It's the sound of the kingdom. And it's the final point that I want to talk about today is just that, the sound of heaven's encouragement and the eternal promise that has been given to us. Hebrews 12, 1 and 3 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles us and let us run with endurance the race that is set out for us and let us fix our eyes upon Jesus who is the author and the perfecter of our faith who for the joy set before him endured the cross scorning its shame and he sat down at the right hand 
of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. These scriptures directly follow Hebrews 11, which we all know as the faith chapter because it talks about the brave and the, men, and the brave men and women of faith that have gone before us and it reminds us that they were individuals that weren't looking for a place on this earth. They were longing for a better place because they knew that earth was not their home and they were longing for a heavenly kingdom. There are a great cloud of witnesses that have gone before us, so many, not just people that we have known, but so many throughout history from the beginning of time. All of those voices, all of the witnesses that have gone before us, all those in the word of God who dared to believe and dared to follow, and they're joined by all of those that we have known that have dared to believe and dared to follow. You know, I think... As I was writing this, I thought about our precious friend, Pastor John Lewis. He was a great friend of ours as a church, but he was also a mentor to me. And I know that if he was here today, he would say to me, keep going, Francis, you got this. You're okay. You're all right. Keep going. I believe in you. Run with endurance the race that is set before you. Fix your eyes upon Jesus, who is the author and the perfecter of your faith. And he would laugh, <laughs> that big laugh that he had. And he'd pat me on the shoulder. Good on you, Francis, and walk away. So many men and women that champion us on and encourage us to keep pushing toward our eternal promise. All of the victories that have gone before us, all of the wars that God has commanded, the victory, all of the battles... You know, we think about so many, Abraham, Moses, Jacob, Joseph, Esther, Ruth, so many. You could just go on and on. So many men and women won the battle because the battle belonged to the Lord and all of heaven's encouragement that points the way to our eternal promise. And I just want to leave us with a couple of scriptures this morning that secure our heavenly hope. 1 Corinthians 15, 52 says, And in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we will be changed. And Revelations eleven fifteen says, And the seventh angel sounded the trumpet and there were loud voices in heaven which said, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. Revelations 21, 3 verses 3 from 3 to 5. It says, And I heard a loud sound from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. And he will wipe every tear from every eye. There will be no more death, no more mourning or pain or crying for the old order of things has passed away. And he who was seated on the throne says, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. 
And the reality is that if we don't know the Word of God, we won't know that. We don't read the Bible, we won't know that. And if we don't have a heart that is filled with the testimony of God, how do we keep encouraged? You know, because the truth is that God wants the kingdom sound to turn up the volume. We need to turn up the volume of what emanates from our lives. I don't know if you've ever met anybody and you've walked in and you've, and you've started to talk to them and you've gone, they're totally a Christian. They're like totally a Christian because there's something that oozes out of them, something that kind of drips off them, the love of God, the grace of God, his kindness. We walked into a shop down in uh, Narrabri the other day and uh, as we were chatting and walking around, the lady who owned the shop came up and she said, oh, excuse me. And I said, I said, oh, yes. And I thought she was going to say, can I help you? She said, are you a Christian? And I thought, well, that's interesting. And I said, yes, yes, I am. I said, I'm actually a pastor. And she said, oh, and we had this lovely conversation, you know, and, uh, and I just saw the goodness of God in it. You know, because for every single one of us, the sound of the kingdom has to emanate from us. We've got to turn up the volume because if it's not happening in here, like I said before, it will never happen out there. People will never know it to be the truth if we don't rise up and make a sound that is unfamiliar to them. The sound of the trumpet blasting from heaven is distinct and terrifying to the people of God, causes them to drop to their knees. What's going to cause the world to drop to their knees? It's only going to be the rising up of the kingdom of God. And that's what God wants. Because the word says that the spirit of God roams to and fro across the earth, looking for whom he might, whom he might bless. God wants it. He's hungry for it. We've got to be hungry for it. So as you go from here today, I want you to ask yourself, what sound comes out of my life? What's the sound in my heart? What's the sound on my lips? What's the sound of my testimony? Let the kingdom resound so that the glory of God can be seen on the earth. Father, I want to thank you, Lord God, that this day belongs to you. I want to thank you, Lord God, that your voice, Father God, is heard here in this little place, Lord God, that you have ordained to speak this word this day And Father, I pray that you would fill our hearts, Lord God. Fill my heart, Father. Fill all our hearts, Lord, with truth and with hope and with courage and with strength, Lord God. Let the sound of the kingdom, Lord God, resound. Let it be heard, Father God, from every corner of our life, Lord, so that the kingdom sound can be heard in the land that makes so much noise. God, I am grateful. I'm grateful to you, Lord God, because you're kind and you're merciful and you're just. And at the same time, you're a terrifying God because you are not a small God. You're a big God. Thank you, Father, for your faithfulness. In Jesus' name.